congregation. The psalmist wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Lord, we thank You for all of Your benefits today and bless You. Lord, for pardoning all of our iniquity and healing all of our diseases, redeeming our lives from the pit, crowning us with loving kindness and compassion, satisfying our years with good things, and seeing that our youth is renewed like the eagle. Lord, thank You for Your presence right here today in this 1045 worship experience. Thank You that You are here touching and strengthening and encouraging and healing and bringing hope and light and joy. We bless You and thank You and anticipate what You will continue to do through the powerful Word of God as we open it together today. We thank You in the beautiful name, Jesus. If you agree, say Amen. Amen. Well, as the lights come up, good morning. And why don't you take just a moment and greet a couple of friends and find somebody you don't know and learn their name this morning. Would you do that? Make a new friend today. Well, good morning. I'm John Eliff. It's great to be back. I spent about three weeks with you in in October, and uh, it's just fantastic to be back with you. I so appreciate the opportunity uh, to be invited back and to share the Word of God. And uh, we're kicking off a, an eight-week series this morning entitled Stride, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. Just a couple of, of housekeeping notes and reminders. First of all, thank you everyone who's participating in the Christmas basket, the boxes that you have taken. Over About 200 boxes went out, and I understand about 130 to 140 are back, so that means there's about 60 yet to come in, and uh, you can bring those in. Hopefully today, if you, if you forgot, maybe you left it on the counter at home, you can bring it into the church office. Let's make sure we get all 200 that went out. We want 200 back because we want to absolutely light up children's lives all around the world. Thank you, North Point, for making a difference uh, through this great ministry. Samaritan's Purse. So thank you so much for that. And uh, for those of you that may attend the Saturday evening service, we're going to take a holiday break at the end of excuse me at the end of November. So we'll be off for December. Please make a note of that. Details are in your bulletin. And uh, I think that's it. Hey, a shout out to Chris Carter. I uh, was here last Saturday night. I couldn't be here Sunday, but Chris did a great job uh, bringing the Word of God. Man, that guy can pack more in 30 minutes than most guys pack into two hours. And I, I came Saturday night. Uh, we were out of town Sunday celebrating a friend of ours' 25th year anniversary planting his church in Grand Blanc. But I came Saturday night and I told Chris, I said, this better be good because I walked out of the Michigan State U of M game to listen to, listen to you preach. So this better be good. And uh, it, was, it was worth it. We really, really enjoyed his ministry. And uh, Go Green, Michigan State really enjoyed beating Michigan last week. And uh, thank the Lord. The Lord is a healer. He's here to redeem and He's here to bless. And all of you Michigan fans, His presence is here for you. That's all I can say. We're still picking, Spartans are still picking Wolverine out of our teeth. Since we had a, since we had a bye this week, alright enough, I'm going to move on. I, but uh, I'm going to give you, uh, how many of you enjoyed tests and quizzes when you were in school? Look at the hands go up. I had one hand go up in the 9 o'clock service. 
I'm, I'm amazed. Well, the vast majority of us do not like quizzes, and we don't like tests. But I want to give you a two-question quiz this morning as, Pam, as the sign-in sheets are passing and as the buckets are going by. I want to give you a, a quick quiz because although you won't be graded on this quiz today, you will be graded on this quiz in eternity. All right? So, two questions. The first question is this. And both of these tie in not only to my message today, but in this eight-week series entitled Stride that we're kicking off this morning. First question is this. If you had to sum up all of Christianity in one word, what would it be? And I, I want you to get out a piece of paper and a pencil, get out your smartphone, get out your iPad, get out your uh, iPod, get out your lipstick, get out your crayons, get out something okay, to write with. And I sure hope you'll take notes today. Uh, if you don't have anything to write on, write on the person's neck in front of you. Okay, Just write something down somewhere if you would. All of Christianity summed up in one word, what would it be? And here's your, well, I'll, I'll ask for responses, but you, you write down what, what you think about that. And then my second question is this. What would you say, how would you summarize the mission of North Point Community Church? How would you summarize the mission? And uh, many are here today. Some of you are visiting. Some of you, maybe this is your very first time. We're thrilled that you're here. But the majority have been attending regularly, and you consider this your church. So uh, let me just tweak that question a little bit. What is your mission? Not just the church's mission, but if, you're, if, if North Point is your church, then it's your mission. What is our mission in this church? Why do we exist? Why are we here? So two questions. Sum up Christianity in one word, and what's our mission? Now, let me just, if, if there are some brave souls that would like to share their answers, let me just ask that first question. How would you sum up Christianity in one word? What would you say? Let me, let me hear some answers. Love? Redemption? That's a good word. Re, that's a great word. Reconciliation. Jesus. Boom, there it is. Jesus. What else? Anybody else? I'm sorry? Adoption. I like that word. And I heard somebody down here. God. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. Yeah. Somebody said in the earlier service, disciples that are helping make disciples. I, I like that one. And, uh, but if we had to sum up Christianity in one word, I, the word that comes to my mind, not that this is the zenith, not that this is the one right answer, but the word that comes to my mind is the word follower. And that ties in with the mission well, first of all, importantly, it ties in with the Great Commission because we are to be disciples. We're to be followers of Jesus Christ and we're to be communicating and teaching the things that He's taught us. But secondly, that the, the follower concept ties in to our mission as a church because our mission at North Point is helping all people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus Christ. And I like that there's the word move in that definition or in that summation. Because Christianity is about movement. Following is about movement. Following and progression are natural parts of life and natural parts of the Christian life. And so I think those are important concepts. As we launch this new series, Stride, it's stepping up, stepping out, and keeping pace as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about 
There'll be multiple presenters in this eight-week series. And uh, this will take us all the way through Christmas and right into the new year. This week, I kick off with follow the leader. Now, I had an experience a little while ago. Uh, actually, it was a number of years ago. And I'm going to tell you about that in just a few minutes. But if the tech team is ready, I've got a, I've got a little video clip that will help prepare us for this, this whole notion of stride and increasing our stride and uh, increasing our pace. What this is, it's a little clip of some crazy people in England that have a festival every year of chasing cheese balls down a hill. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a 15th century uh, uh, festival and thing that they do in Gloucester, England, down Cooper's Hill. They race to try to keep up with the nine-pound ball of cheese. So to just set the stage for us talking about stride, check out the big screen. I'm not sure if that was one of the winners or not, but they, they we're going to talk about picking up our pace, but we're, we're going to be a, a, little, a little more in control than that, okay? Not quite as dangerous. Don't want to see anybody go out in a stretcher. But uh, stride, stepping out, stepping up, and keeping pace as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It was several years ago, I was at Pensacola Beach in Florida, and I went down there with a good friend of mine, John Gallinetti, and we went kind of on a prayer retreat. We spent the days just with our Bibles and prayer, and we're seeking the Lord and, and just uh, you know doing some goal setting and planning. And then in the evenings, we went to a conference. We went to some meetings uh, that, that uh, were great. But during the day, we pretty much had the day to ourselves. And it was in early March. It was pre-spring break. It was still a little cool, but we caught some really nice weather. And I love, I love the mountains, and I love the beach. And I was out for a long walk on the beach, Pensacola Beach. And uh, I just walking along the seashore. So the sky was blue. Uh, waves are crashing up on the shore. I mean, it was just an idyllic setting for me as I was just out on kind of a prayer walk. And as I was walking, I happened along, and probably all of us have experienced this, there were a certain set of footprints that just sort of caught my eye. And so I just decided to start following those footsteps. And I was placing my feet in those, those imprints in the sand. And, and you've probably done that, whether it's been on the beach or maybe it's been in the snow. You, you follow a set of foot, maybe the snow's deep and somebody's already gone, so you, you walk in those footsteps. And so I'm, just, I'm, I'm just, you know, just walking along the beach, enjoying myself and 
just kind of having this conversation with the Lord, and and I'm I'm, I'm you know I, I had to stretch a little bit because whoever it was that walked was obviously a little bigger, a little taller, so I, I had to I had to alter my stride a little bit, and I was walking along and and uh, just taking it all in, and and I wanted to continue walking down the beach, but this set of footprints after a while veered to my left away from the water, over toward the condos and the apartments and the the hotels that were lining the beach. And so I decided immediately, I'm done with these footprints because I want to keep following the shoreline. I don't want to go away from the water. I want to walk along the water. And in that moment of decision, it was such a simple thing. I I don't want to over-spiritualize it. It's not like God audibly talked to me. But I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me on the inside to say, John, just keep... Just stay. Just keep following these footprints. I want to. I want to talk to you about some stuff. And so I just felt this little nudge from the Holy Spirit. So I, I turned and I, I was following those footsteps. Now I'm walking away from the water. And after about ten or fifteen or twenty steps, I'm starting to get irritated, to be honest with you, because I don't want to go away from. The, I want to walk along the beach. That's what I'm there for. And so the further I follow these footsteps, the further it takes me away from where I want to be and where I want to go, and the more agitated and irritated I'm becoming. And I'm realizing that there's some lessons here that the Lord is speaking to me about my life and about the paths that He wants me to follow and some of the lessons that He wants me to learn. And that's what I want to share with you this morning as we launch out into this new series entitled Stride. It's about becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you this morning about following the leader. And I want to extract six simple principles or requirements of following. Because Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. He said, follow me and be my disciple. Follow me and be my disciple. It's interesting as I studied... Just the word follow and following and looked at all the New Testament references, there are not just dozens, there's several hundred references to following. It's a pretty dominant topic in the Bible. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. He was talking about Jesus being our example. And he said, you have been called, speaking to all believers, you've been called to follow in His footsteps. So that's why this word follower resonates with me. As I sum up all of Christianity, I would sum it all up in that one word, follower. What does that mean? We're going to take eight weeks to unpack what it really means, what it truly means, what it looks like, what it smells like, what it tastes like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It's a great concept. Probably everybody under the sound of my voice would, would say, Yeah, I, I'm only, I want, that's the person I want to be as a Christ follower. We talk about it on Sunday, but what, how does that translate to Monday? What does that look like on Monday? What does that smell like on Monday? That's what we're going to spend eight weeks. And we're going to follow Jesus into some of the coolest and craziest places. Because we're supposed to follow His example, and we're supposed to follow in His footsteps. So we're going to follow Him. We're going to follow Him to funerals. We're going to follow Him to dinner. We're going to follow Him to lunch. We're going to follow Him to the rock pile, to the garden, to the washroom. We're going to go all kinds of places with Jesus. We're going to go to the manger with Jesus. We're going, to, we're going to follow Jesus and unpack this whole concept over eight weeks. And it will be life-changing for you. 
if you'll allow it to be. And so that's where we're going this morning. Let me begin with these six requirements of following. And as I uh, share principle number one, I'm going to ask the ushers, they're ready. Hey guys, if you could just come on down to the front and work to the back. I hope we have enough. There's, there are little leaflets that I want. If, if, if there's enough for everybody, I hope there is. Uh, if there's not, maybe husbands and wives can share, but I'd, I'd sure hope everybody could get one of these. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about this at the conclusion of the service. But uh, if you would, take one of these as, as uh, the ushers pass them out. And let's talk about six requirements for following. Requirement number one is attend your own funeral. Attend your funeral. Why do I say that? Because to follow means to give up the right to lead. It requires emptiness. It requires yieldedness. It requires a death to your will, to your agenda, to your purpose, to the direction you want to go. I realized that day, as I was following those footsteps in the sand, if I was truly going to follow those footsteps... I had to be empty of my own agenda. And that day my agenda was very simple. I wanted to walk down the beach and enjoy the sun and enjoy the water. I wanted to be close to the water. I didn't want to go away from the water. So I had to empty myself. I had to die to that simple desire if I was going to follow. Following requires a funeral. To follow is to never lead. The moment I start leading, I'm no longer following. I realize in America today, the concept of following is not celebrated. The concept of leading is celebrated. But in the kingdom, following is celebrated. Following is rewarded. I love telling a story. What does it mean, attend your own funeral? What does it mean to yield your will? What, what does that mean? I tell a story at virtually every funeral that I've ever done. I love this story because it illustrates exactly what I'm talking about this morning. It's a true story. A man by the name of Blondin lived in the 1800s. He was an acrobatist and aerialist. He had what I consider to be a crazy goal. He wanted to be the first man to ever successfully walk a tightrope over the Niagara Falls. You can imagine a large crowd on hand as he... You know, the, 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 the tight wire is set up and, and he's there to attempt this amazing feat. Massive crowd on hand, and he fearlessly, flawlessly, unflinchingly, he walks from one side to the other. He's successful. And as he steps safely onto shore, onto land the other side, the crowd goes crazy. The, 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 the audience is cheering and clapping, and they begin to call for an encore. And he says, do you believe I can do it again? And they said, of course, we've seen you do it once. We know you can do it again. And as the story was related to me, Blondin turned to a young man and looked him in the eyeballs and said, young man, do you believe I can do it again? And that young man was a little taken aback because he was being singled out of the crowd, but he squared his shoulders, he looked Blondin in the eye, and he said, Yes, sir, I've seen you do it once. I know you can do it again. And Blondin said to him, Then, young man, come here. I want you to climb up on my shoulders. When we talk about following and no longer leading, when we talk about yielding our will to the will of God, kneeling at the cross and yielding to Jesus Christ. Allegorically, it's a lot like climbing up on Blondin's shoulders. If you've ever played chicken, I've played chicken, but I've never played on a tightrope over the Niagara Falls. 
That's kind of a scary notion. There's got to be a high level of trust in the person whose shoulders you climb on. What a beautiful depiction. Really, when you climb up, allegorically speaking, if you climb up on the shoulders of Blondin to walk that tightrope, you have given up control. You are no longer leading. You are following. What a powerful picture of what Jesus really was trying to convey when He said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to His disciples, if any of you wants to be My follower... You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow Me. John chapter 5, verse 30. This is Jesus talking. And I selected the Amplified Translation because it brings out some shades of meaning that are very powerful. And I want you to get this this morning. This is Jesus talking. This is the Son of God talking. And I want you to get the vibe of what he's saying and what he's communing about, communicating about this whole concept of following rather than leading. Jesus is talking. He says, I'm able to do nothing from myself independently or of my own accord. Jesus said, I can't do anything by myself. That's amazing coming out of the mouth of Jesus Christ, who is God, became man. He said, I can't do anything by myself. I can't do anything independent. But only as I'm taught by God and as I get His orders. Even as I hear, I judge. Listen, I decide as I am bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is is right, it is just, and it is righteous because I do not desire to do what is pleasing to myself my own aim, or my will, but that which is pleasing or a pleasure to the Father. Those are amazing words from the lips of Jesus. We're talking about following. We're talking about attending your own funeral. Do you realize the reason Jesus Christ walked in such power is because He walked under the Father's direction and directive and authority. He set an example for you and I to follow in His footsteps. He said, I'm not here to do my own thing. I'm not here to pursue my own agenda. I don't just wake up and decide what I'm going to do. He was following orders. And you and I are called as Christ followers to do the same thing. That requires emptiness. It requires yieldedness. It requires a funeral of sorts. Paul put it this way, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Famous passage about being a living sacrifice. The New Living Translation says this, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. You have the Old Testament picture of the sacrifice on the altar. The New Testament picture is different. The New Testament picture isn't of a dead sacrifice. It's of a living sacrifice. Which is much more challenging to live out because we sacrifice not once, but on a daily basis. On a progressive basis. Day after day, week after week, month after month. A yieldedness to the will of God in our lives as Christ 
followers. See, attend your own funeral is requirement number one. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 10.39, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for Me, you will find it. Paul put it this way. I was sharing some of these thoughts with my daughter Juliana. She said, oh dad, you should use Galatians 2.20. So what's that? She said, that's where Paul talked about being crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in faith that I live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Wow. That's the language. That's the metaphor of the New Testament is death. We die to ourselves and we embrace the life of Jesus Christ. It's not our kingdom. It's His kingdom. It's not our agenda. It's His agenda. Are you listening this morning? Amen. So, quality principle number one. Attend your own funeral. Quality number two. And here's where we tie in with the whole theme of this eight weeks. Increase your stride. That day I was walking on that beach and I was walking in those footsteps. It was somebody taller. It was somebody bigger. Probably somebody stronger than me because I had to stretch to fit those footsteps. I had to reach a little bit. And, and to be quite honest, you know, after you walk this way for a while, it gets kind of tiring and old and I wanted to quit doing that. It got, got uncomfortable. And as I got uncomfortable and I wanted to change my stride, I wanted to adjust to my stride, that's where the, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit said, John, I just want you to hang in there. Keep doing that. See, as followers of Jesus Christ, listen, He's taller, He's bigger, He's stronger. If we're going to keep pace with Him, if we're going to follow in His footsteps, you and I are going to have to stretch a little bit. We're going to have to go beyond our comfort zone. We're called to a higher level. Because Jesus, He laid out some things, let's just be honest, that are going to stretch us. He used language that will stretch us. He talked about being kind to those that hate you. How many of you know that's not easy? He put it this way, pray for those who persecute you. Hey, that's real easy to talk about on Sunday. But when Monday comes, how many of you know that's a challenge? When your coworker is making your life miserable. When your neighbor does something to intentionally irritate you. Builds that fence or plants that bush or leaves garbage out or whatever they do that irritates you. Pray for those that spitefully use you. Jesus said things like, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Now, Jesus wasn't advocating amputation, okay? Self-mutilation. He was talking in hyperbole, exaggeration for the purpose of effect, but he was, he was saying, be serious in your dealing with sin. Listen, that'll stretch us. The Bible says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus and we're to, we're to look at Him in Hebrews chapter 12 and His example because none of us have yet shed our own blood in resisting the temptation to sin. Do you know that Jesus was tempted to sin in the Garden of Gethsemane? So greatly that in, in His resistance of that, it caused Him to actually sweat blood? That's pretty intense. These are the footsteps that you and I are called to stretch, to increase our stride and to walk in. Jesus, He laid out some pretty heavy math. Remember, He was talking to the disciples about forgiveness. 
And that if somebody asks your forgiveness, you need to forgive them. And the disciples said, Lord, I think, I think it was Peter, one of them said, should we do that up to seven times a day? And you remember what Jesus, Jesus upped the ante a little, didn't he? Seventy times seven. He talked about forgiveness, extending mercy, releasing. And he, he wasn't speaking in terms of hyperbole. He was literally saying, extend forgiveness. I'll tell you what, that'll, that'll stretch us. Because there's some people that don't deserve to be forgiven, to be quite honest. And I'm going to raise my hand and say, I'm the first one. I don't deserve forgiveness. I've done things to sin against God. I deserve punishment. But He extends forgiveness and mercy. There's people that have done things to me in my life that don't deserve forgiveness. But you know what Jesus says? It's not about them. It's about me and it's about you. Seventy times seven, I want you to extend forgiveness. That will stretch us as Christ followers. That will cause us to increase our stride. I will never forget Joyce Montague. A dear Christian woman was on staff at a former church that I served in. And Joyce was a, a single woman, and she had a son. It was, I believe it was her only son. Honey, do you remember? I, th- I think it was her only son. And uh, her son was an adult man, and he was tragically killed in an auto accident. He was, he was T-boned by a drunk driver. And what Joyce learned was that this was not the first time that this man had been in an accident as a result of alcohol. He'd been in multiple accidents. He had multiple DUIs. And now she's grieving the sudden and tragic loss of her son. And she was working through that. And the Lord was dealing with her about forgiving this man that had so senselessly taken the life of her son. And she, she came to that place where she said, Yes, Lord, I, 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 choose, I make a quality choice. I'm going to forgive this man. And as she worked through that, the Lord dealt with her and spoke to her and said, Joyce, I want you to go up to the hospital and I want you to look that man in the eye and I want you to tell him that you forgive him. He needs to hear that from you. Well, She had to come to the place where she was able to do that. But she did it. She called. The man was not uh, uh, significantly injured, but he had injuries and he was in the hospital. She called and introduced herself and said, I want to come to the hospital. I want to talk to you. And he said, okay. When she got there, the man had his three sons in the room with him, I think because he didn't know what in the world this woman was going to do. But Joyce came in and she introduced herself and she just explained very simply that she was a Christian, that she had forgiven him, and that she felt like he needed to hear that from her. So she looked him in the eyes and she said, I want you to know that I don't hold this against you. I forgive you. Jesus has forgiven me. I forgive you. The man, tears ran down his face. And with his sons standing and listening, Joyce shared the simplicity of the Gospel with him. And he took her hand and prayed to receive Christ, to place faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the steps of Jesus Christ, that He has set an example for us, it's going to stretch us. It's going to, it's going to force us out of our comfort zones. He's going to call upon us to do things that are not natural to us 
in our human nature, but are supernatural and that are divine. And thank God, he's, His grace and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be there to help us to do it. But we have to increase our stride if we're going to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Excuse me. Principle number three is simply this. Following requires changing direction. It requires moving at times in a direction that you would not choose to go. Very simply, I, I was walking along the beach. I was fine as long as the footprints were following the water. But as soon as they veered to the left and headed away from the beach, I was done. I didn't want anything more to do with those footprints. didn't want anything more to do with that plan and that path. Fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ will be called on to take paths, to take left turns and to take right turns that we would not choose in and of ourselves. To move in directions that we honestly, we don't want to go. We just don't want to go there. So being a follower at times, not all the time, but at times, we'll call, we'll call up, we are called upon to move a different direction. Joseph experienced this. And this wasn't a, a path of his own choosing. His brothers ratted him out. His brothers sold him into slavery. He ended up in Potiphar's house. He was... Juked by Potiphar's wife, Hughes found himself in prison. What an amazing pathway to the position of influence that God had destined for his life. Joseph would have never chosen that path. In fact, Joseph didn't choose it. It was forced upon him. Sometimes we move down paths that are handed to us and forced upon us. But know this, God's redemptive hand is always at work. Whether you're a Joseph or a Daniel or a Saul, or a you-fill-in-the-blank. I did a funeral a couple of weeks ago for the Bates family. Dave Bates, the Bates family and the Ela family go way back. Dave and my dad used to play golf together, known the family for many years. And I learned something about... Stephen is the oldest son. There were four children. And Stephen shared a story that really made an impression on me. Uh, there were... Uh, Examples of Stephen's artwork at the funeral, along with the pictures. He had done a portrait of his father and his mother. It was amazing. It was, it was hand-drawn and painted, and it looked like a photograph. It was that good. I mean, this guy is an extraordinary artist. He had those gifts from a very early age. He cultivated them. He took courses and developed them. His career path, his trajectory was toward being very successful. In fact, he was offered a job to go to Hollywood and be involved in designing, drawing, and painting the backdrops for the Star Wars movies. He was that good. And it was at that same time in his life that he had this lucrative offer to go to Hollywood and pursue his career dream of being an artist. When he was in a church service, he and his wife were together, and there was a challenge and a call for men and women to commit their lives to full-time Christian service. Stephen and his wife knew that God was tugging at their heartstrings, knew that God was dealing with them, that He was calling them, and together they got up and they responded to that call, that invitation. And that night, they committed their lives they didn't know what they were committing to, but they were committing to full-time Christian service. Shortly after, they had an opportunity to serve in children's ministry, and they 
for 30 years have served in children's ministry. He turned down the offer to go to Hollywood to pursue that career path, to, to obey God and to serve children, using his art, using his creativity to engage the minds and the curiosity of children, to be able to teach them spiritual principles, to be able to share the gospel with them. He and his wife have traveled all over the United States and various parts of the world ministering to children. You see, there are times when following Jesus is going to take us a different path than you or I would choose on our own. We have to be prepared to change directions. Principle number four is very simply this. Following requires focus and attention. It requires focus and attention. You know, whether you're walking in footprints in sand, walking in footprints in the snow, walking in footprints in the mud, wherever it is, you, you, it requires attention. You can't. Now, I, that day on the beach, I wanted to be looking at the water. I wanted to be enjoying this amazing scenery that was around me, but I, I had to pay attention to the footprints in front of me if I was going to follow in those footsteps. And you know, the same thing is true for you and I as Christ followers. We have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to the footprints. And, and we have to, uh, we have to watch and pay attention to where the teacher is moving. I was at a garage sale with my wife a couple of months ago, and, and they had these VHS tapes of Taibo, aerobic exercise. You've probably seen the commercials. Some of you maybe have done it, but at least you've seen it. You know, it's all this punching and kicking and karate, and I thought, well, you know, it's, it's kind of masculine. I could probably do that, and we, we still have a VHS player. I mean, we've got all the other stuff, but we got... So I, we bought it for like two bucks or five bucks, or bought the whole series. And... Uh, and so I popped in a tape or two and did it a time or two. And you know what I found? I found if I'm going to follow that instructor, if I'm going to follow the master, I've got to pay attention. Because I didn't know how to do all that stuff. You know, all, those, all these weird movements and everything. I had to pay attention because I, I, I haven't done aerobics. I haven't done any of that stuff. I, I'm not a fighter. I just, so I had to kind of, you know, a couple times pause and, you know, I had to pay attention. Well, if we're going to follow the Master, it requires focus and it requires attention. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. Principle number five. Requirement number five. We have to attend our own funeral. We have to increase our stride. We have to change our direction. We need focus and attention. Number five, we need to maintain, maintain your proximity. What do I mean by that? I mean, you've got to stay close. If you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to stay close. What do I mean by that? As I was walking, I, the wind had been blowing, and you know how it is in sand. I mean, somebody there can be footprints, and if the wind is blowing, it doesn't take long before those footprints get filled in, before the tracks get wiped away. My sons, they love deer hunting, and they're avid bow hunters and gun hunters. and They've shot deer before and had to track them. You need to stay close. You need to watch for the signs. You don't shoot a deer and go out two weeks later and try to find it. You've you, you, you got to keep things tight. You've got to keep the window tight. You've got to stay close. And the same is true for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. We need to stay close to the instruction manual. I heard a preacher put it this way years ago. Uh, read the red and pray for the power. 
I like to read the Gospels. I love the whole counsel of God's Word. I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament. I love the epistles. But I, in particular, I like reading the Gospels because it's the words of Jesus. It's the instructions of Jesus. If I'm supposed to follow in His footsteps, I need to be paying attention. I need to stay close. Can somebody say amen? There's an interesting passage if you want to read it. It's in 1 Kings chapter 22 about Josiah, King Josiah, who started out as king at a very, very young age. And he spearheaded renovation for the temple. The temple had been neglected. It was broken down. It was in disarray. It was in poor repair. And so he initiated repair and renovation of the temple. While they were renovating, they found the scrolls. They found the scriptures. And they brought them to King Josiah. They'd been lost. And so he began to read the, the, the Scripture. He began to read God's Word. The Bible said that he began to weep and he ripped his clothing as a sign of repentance. Because he realized as he read, they were, dis, they were grieving God. They were disobeying His commandments. They were violating His laws. As he read Scripture, he realized how far off the mark they were. And he called for the priests to read Scripture to the people so that they could come back in line with the Word of God. James, in James chapter 2, says the Word of God is like a mirror. And we need to keep coming back to the mirror. We need to keep seeing what manner of man we are. We have to keep looking in this mirror. You and I, if we're going to be a devoted follower, we need to stay close. Bump your neighbor and say he's talking about you this morning. Change your direction, focus, and attention. Maintain close proximity. And lastly, know this. Know that you're never alone. It was interesting that day. I was out on the beach. There was almost nobody else out there. And as I was walking in these footprints and going through this exercise, it it dawned on me, you know, I'm out here all by myself. It's kind of lonely. And I knew John was going to be back at the the condo where we were staying, and I, you know, I have, I have family and I have friends. I, I wasn't alone by any stretch of the imagination. But in that moment, I felt a sense of aloneness. And it occurred to me, there are times when I'm going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, and I may have to do it alone. I may be the one that takes the stand. And that's okay. Because I'm never alone when I take a stand to obey God and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy. Let me read it to you. These, this is the last book, believed to be the last book that he wrote. 2 Timothy, it's a personal letter to Timothy. And he knew the end was imminent. He was in prison. He knew that his death was very close. And he writes this in verse 16 and verse 17. He says, "At My first defense of the Gospel... No one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Verse 17, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Paul was completely alone, all by himself, and a number of people had deserted him. Wow. There are times when following can mean loneliness. But know this, we are never alone. Thank God. We were preaching in a church, my wife and I, back in May. We went to Minnesota. 
And we preached in Spring Valley, Minnesota. And we met some beautiful people. And there was a, a woman who uh, appeared to be and was Amish. And she was there. And, and that kind of caught my attention. Uh, you just you don't see a lot of Amish people outside of their sense of community. And, and I, my wife and I met Mary. She came up and introduced herself and was very pleasant talking with us. And we were talking with the pastor and his wife after the service. And we got to talking about Mary. And, and they said, wow, this, this Mary, she's, a, she's an extraordinary person. She's been attending our church for some time. And she has had to... Uh, suffer or give up. She's paid quite a price in order to be here at our church because she has stepped outside of the Amish community and the Amish church. And Lynette, the pastor's wife, said that they were invited to Mary's house for dinner. They went there. Mary had, you know, in Amish people, they don't use microwaves and they don't use TV dinners, right? I mean, they, they do everything from scratch. So Mary worked for five, six, seven hours to prepare a dinner. Fed everybody, served everybody, fed the dinner, uh, picked up the plates, doing dishes, serving coffee, serving dessert. And Lynette, the pastor's wife, said, Mary, why don't you, you've been doing nothing but working. Why don't you come and sit at the table? Please at least come and sit and have dessert. And she said, no, 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 that's okay. And afterwards, she explained, Mary explained to Lynette that she had been shunned as a result of her involvement in this gospel preaching church and that she was not allowed to sit at her own dinner table as a result of the stand that she took for her faith in Jesus Christ. Now it's important to note that she shared that her husband gave her permission. She, was, she wasn't defying her husband by going to this church, but she was, she was defying the community by going to that church. And she was paying a price and she was standing alone as a result of it. Wow, I had great respect for that woman. She was hungry for God. She was hungry, wasn't she, honey? She wanted more of Jesus in her life. We're talking about following today. We're talking about these six requirements of following. What are they? Number one, attend your funeral. Number two, increase your stride. Number three, change your direction. Number four, focus and attention. Number five, maintain your proximity, stay close. And number six, know that you're never alone. <clears throat> I gave you this pamphlet. Did everybody get one or did we run short? Does everybody have one? Oh, I hope you have one. Does anybody not have one? I'm almost afraid to ask. Good, everybody's got one. You know, it was kind of strange. I didn't share this with the other services. I just skipped over it in my notes. But this was, I didn't even, I didn't even tell my wife this. This is... It was, it was kind of kind of creepy, but uh, anyway, this is what happened. I did a Google search on John Eliff, and one of the things that I found was that John Eliff died. No joke. There must have been another guy by the name of John Eliff, and it had the birth date and it had the death date. I thought that kind of got my attention because here I am reading that John Eliff died, and so I started to think. What if I really was dead, but I was still here? And I began to think, you know what? If I was here and if I were really dead, there's a lot of stuff I probably wouldn't really care about because I'd be dead. I wouldn't really care too much about what people thought about me because I'd be dead, right? 
Sin probably wouldn't have too much power over me because I'm dead. So I started thinking about this. And I thought, wow. And then all of a sudden, Donna, you know, there, there's some spiritual truth in that. So as we, as we wrap up this morning, the reason that I wanted you to have this little leaflet as the worship team comes, I, I thought, you know, maybe this is a, a, a proper response for some of us today. You see, being a true follower of Jesus Christ means we have to agree to attend our own funeral. We have to yield. We have to give up. We have to die to ourselves and embrace the mission of Jesus Christ. And so this little leaflet, compliments of Tiffany Funeral Home. God bless Kevin, the director there. He, he donated these for my illustration today. I just had typed inside in loving memory, I hereby surrender all rights to my life and commit myself by God's grace to a life of following the leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ. Many of you here today, you, you remember a day. You made a commitment. You made a covenant with God. Maybe you want to renew it today. Maybe you're here today and you, you don't remember a time in your life when you placed simple heart faith in Jesus Christ. Where you surrendered your life to Him. Proverbially and allegorically speaking, you've never climbed up on the shoulders of Blondin climbed up on the shoulders of Jesus and said, Jesus, I trust You with my life. I trust You with eternal life. I trust You for the forgiveness of sin and the gift of salvation. Boy, today would be a great day to make a quality decision by God's grace to become a follower of Jesus Christ. So as the worship team leads us, I I invite you, if you'd like to, to respond and fill that out. Sign your name and date it. And then tuck it in your Bible or put it on your dresser. Or put it somewhere where occasionally it will be a reminder that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And that you're going to help other people move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus Christ. Let's worship this morning together. Everyone needs